0: And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, my next guest is actually one I've been wanting to connect with for several weeks now, but she's a very busy individual. We finally made our schedules meet in the middle, and so we're going to be talking for the next half hour with Dr. Lisa Dunn. And if you don't know who she is, for the last 18 years, she's worked as an educator in high school, community college, and at the university level. So she has a pretty wide range of how and who she can impact. And she does that in the field of organizational and interpersonal communication theater, developmental psychology, and the important issues of marriage and family. And I'm going to keep going because she holds a PhD in human development, as well as two master's degrees. I don't know when she sleeps, but uh, an MA in communication studies and an MA in human and organizational systems. And she also has undergraduate degrees in secondary education, musical theater, and humanities. And again, I wonder when she actually sleeps or has time to see her lovely husband. So, Dr. Lisa Dunn, with that big intro, welcome the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Noah.
0: <laughs> it, it is a pleasure. So first off, if people aren't familiar, you have a brand new program, fairly new to K-Praise, called Mindset Matters, which I'm luckily enough able to produce here at the radio station, and I have a great time editing it and being able to listen to it at the same time. And they can catch it on K-Praise, and if you're listening on Sister Station, The Answer San Diego, it's k Praise. 1210 a.m. and FM 106.1 North County. You can hear it at 11 p.m. every Saturday. And it's a very thought-provoking show. And as you say, it provides practical tools that will activate people's faith, reset their organizational culture, and transform their interpersonal relationships. And that last one is pretty huge. So where did you get the idea at first for Mindset Matters? And then we're going to get into some educational issues.
1: Sure. Noah. I would say first really came from my grad school studies and the people that I worked with were just from all over the world. And they, they really utilized this approach that was kind of what we call whole student development. And that is kind of a, a teaching to not just the mind, but also the heart. And the more we, you know, the more I studied, especially my PhD about the impact of what we believe and what we speak over ourselves. I just, I was really amazed at how, how much of our lives is really influenced, our relationships, our organizations are really influenced by the mindsets that we hold. And what's most exciting about that, of course, is that concept of neuroplasticity, that is that we can change, uh, you know, ninety-five percent of our genetic behavior, our genetic material, our DNA is malleable, changeable. So we're only stuck in a rut in about five percent of our behavior, which is really small comparatively. And so being able to change our mindsets obviously has such a tremendous impact on the rest of our lives. So I would say grad school is really, and the readings in grad school really were what influenced that topic.
0: I love the show because it ties so many different things in from a historical perspective. You bring in pop Mm -hmm. culture and you also relate it to how you grew up as a child as well. So there's lots of different avenues that people can relate to here.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's so important for all of us to be able to pull from our own narratives and our, you know, not just theoretical understanding, but our experiential understanding. There's a saying, you know, you can't argue with someone's testimony. You know, it's something that we've gone through and been transformed by. It's a a light, it's a beacon to other people, it's a hope to other people.
0: Lastly, before we get to our next topic, what's some of the feedback that you've gotten from the show? Because I know that there's going to be people that this is really going to impact their lives and get them to maybe think about things a little bit differently and take them to that next level where they were looking to transform their lives.
1: Sure. I think the most common piece of feedback I get is that people are amazed at how simple it is to think about transforming their mind and how many people have felt stuck in a mindset and literally felt like they were captive to it. They And, they, and it was so much a part of who they were that they didn't realize that it was something that they could change. Like for a simple example, I get feedback on this concept of a victim mentality that we grew up in this idea that it's somebody else's fault. There's always somebody else to blame. We don't take responsibility for our own behavior. And then coming to that point of recognition that I can't blame people. You know, I had a terrible upbringing as a child, but at some point I have to say, whoa, I'm not going to duplicate or replicate those behaviors. I'm going to move on, right? And so it's that movement from that language of complaining, which is the victim-mindedness, the language of complaining, to taking responsibility for our lives. And I think for most, most of the comments that I've gotten are centered around that concept of just the freedom that comes from realizing, wait, I have the power to change this. In my own life.
0: Yeah, sometimes people kind of get stuck and I think all of us are guilty of this, get stuck in a routine. We don't really know how to get out of it until we are presented with a piece of information like your show presents on a weekly basis that shows us that we have this power to make that change ourselves and we don't need to have somebody else do it for us.
1: Yeah, that's good, Noah.
0: Well, I'm really excited about this show and as it continues here on K Praise. Again, people can find Mindset Matters every Saturday on K Praise, 12 10 a.m., FM 106.1 North County at 11. PM, and their their lives are really going to be all the better for it and for listening. If you want to find out more, go to drlisadun.com. Now, I really want to pick your brain because this hits me personally. Uh, I have kids, well, they're older now, they're 22, uh, but they did go through the public school system. And my brother has kids that are currently going through the public school system. And especially with a lot of the online education now, with the Zoom meetings, and they're not going to that interpersonal relationship level where they're mixing with other students at the actual classroom. Things have changed, and our public school system already needed to be fixed. Where do you see the educational system in America right now? I know there's a a lot of people, uh, Dr. Lisa, that aren't looking at it in a very good light. Where do we go from here?
1: Well, that's a huge question. And I would say one of the most vital questions that we should be asking as parents, as leaders, as people who care about the future trajectory of our nation. In fact, I would say much of what's happening in our nation right now in terms of unrest and division and a lack of real education and understanding of our history is a result of the educational systems that we have put in place. And they have really changed over the last 30 years, over the last 20 years, and even over the last 10 years. You know, my Grandmother was an educator in the public system for fifty years, five zero, and she. I have all of her books, her hymnals, her prayer books from the public school. You know, with her name and her, you know, the stamp in there. That 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 that, that was the the type of our American school system. That was the that was the format. It was Christian based. And then when the values clarification movement came through in the nineteen sixties, it literally swept. The entire foundation of the public, of, of God, of Christianity, dissected it from the educational sector. And so since then, we've seen a dramatic change in the kinds of behaviors. Or my grandmother used to say that the naughtiest kids in class were those who would dare to chew gum or cut in line or, <laughs> you know, those, yeah. those terrible behaviors. But gosh, today, Noah, you look at. The terrible behaviors are, you know, interpersonal crime and threatening a teacher with death because she corrected you as a second grader. I mean, it's dramatic today.
0: Yeah, not to interrupt you, but I never thought that we would get to this point in the educational system where you would ever have to worry about that type of thing.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the instrument rating on an airplane. You know, you turn a little degree here and then in 10 years the change the shift is so broad and that's really what we're seeing those little changes have added up to really dramatic effects on an entire generation you know we look at across the country we have 56 million kids in public school today and and you know to really paint a realistic picture from a christian perspective is that they are in secular indoctrination systems where the great commission is outlawed i'm sure you've read some of the studies in california yeah. where like a second grader in palmdale got a sheriff came to his house because he shared a Bible verse at lunch. I mean, it's very, it's very harsh and antagonistic and, um, you know, difficult for Christians in the public school system. But I think as parents, you know, parents really need to ask themselves some questions about, I I always go back to Plato, his, his, this question he asked, he said every culture must ask itself two important questions, the two most important questions the culture must ask are, Who is teaching the children, and what are the children being taught? Mm -hmm. And so when we answer those two questions in the public system, you know, right here in California, the kinds of information, quote-unquote, that's being disseminated in the public school systems, completely devoid of values, completely not just overlooking Christianity, but dissecting Christianity, speaking falsehood about the human body, about how we're designed, how we're wired, and then... You know, we ask who is teaching the children? Who are the people who are mentoring and speaking into our kids? Luke 640 says that the student, when he's fully trained, will become like the teacher. You know, in Chula Vista, we've had all kinds of, uh, where I live in San Diego, we've had all kinds of uh, teachers come, you know, the kinds of behaviors that they're engaged in that are definitely not behaviors that parents would want their children to grow up emulating.
0: On the university level, but I imagine it even happens earlier, you have these educators. And again, I'm going to point this out because I heard on another show there was a teacher that called up and got pretty riled up. Not all teachers are like this. I want to point that out at every level. There are good teachers out there. But you do get some educators that if the child does not go along with what is being taught and they have different views, they're almost reprimanded for believing something else. And they're saying, you're not going to pass this class unless you get on board.
1: Yeah, and I would say not uh, that we're definitely talking about a system, not individuals, but individuals are part of the system. And so even teachers who are out in the system, you know, really need to think about their their role in that. I know um, at the university level, uh, uh, there are Christian organizations on secular campuses that if professors at those campuses say they align with the beliefs publicly, that they have said literally that their offices will be burned to the ground. Wow. So that the pressure is. It, and it is okay to college. I mean, you look at what's being taught at four year olds. Four years old of age is where we first learn our differences between being a male and being a female. We're not really cognizant of that before the age of four. Um, and so that's where the prominent attack is right now on gender identity at age four. So there, it's a concerted effort. We say cradle to grave. It's kind of a cradle to grave effort to sway the minds and the hearts of Americans away from their true identity in Christ.
0: Noah here on Across the County. It's a privilege to have my guest at last, Dr. Lisa Dunn. To find out more, go to drlisadunn.com. She's an award winning educator. And if you want to find out her resume, go back and listen to the podcast of the show because it's going to take a couple of minutes to go back over it. And she's got the experience with 20 years of classroom experience. And we're also going to talk about her nonprofit at the end, which I'm tremendously excited about. I have a huge. Lisa, for nonprofit. So where do we go from here? How do we get back our educational system? I'm going to even say at the public school level, because something has to give our children's minds are way too valuable to continue on the path that we're on at this moment
1: yeah for sure. and i I think too, it's really important to note, you know we can look at statistical analysis of see trajectories. That's one of the great benefits of statistics. Mm-hmm. You know we could look at how many what kind of sugar consumption kids have, and we could see how many of them are going to have diabetes, for example, and you know, in ten years. But when we look at the school system and we see that eighty five percent of students who live in Christian homes but go to public school systems where they're indoctrinated every day in a secular worldview, 85% of them reject values of the Christian faith by the time they graduate. So only 15%. There are people who are surviving with their faith intact, but it's such a small percentage. The return on investment is so small yeah. and that I think as parents, we want to ask ourselves that question. So where do we go is a really important question. So, you know, this year, obviously, Public schools shut down across the country, and one of the incredible blessings of that was that parents began to see for the first time what and how their kids were really being taught. So I've had parents contact me. They've said they listened on their kids' classes. They couldn't believe the anti-Christian, anti-biblical, anti-scientific nonsense their children are being taught, even in elementary school. And so it's opened their eyes, and they've realized, wow, there's a problem, and I want to be part of not the problem but the solution. So there's a reform idea, obviously parents being able to be in the educational system being able to direct, uh, as you know, Noah, I'm a great uh, a great fan, a great supporter of the parent discipleship movement, yep. the edu- home education movement. And so the more that parents are involved in their children's academia, the higher the success rates. I mean, we can, we can talk about academic success rates all day long, you know, 30 points on average homeschoolers outperform public school students. It's a tutorial method. But more important than that, is their retention in the faith. They're far less likely. Students who've been discipled by their parents are far less likely to walk away from the Lord at the end of their day. And as Christian parents, there is no more important athlete. I mean, if our kids are smart or they're playing on the best football team, but they lose their faith, you know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Mm. So it goes back to that, you know, Plato's question of who's teaching our children, what are they being taught? Even the best, you know, charter schools that are, that maybe have a higher academic success rate. At the end of the day, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if that's not our starting point, I really have to question the foundational aspect of, you know, an educational system that completely dissects the truth and the foundation of wisdom from its process. So what I would say in terms of an objective, and we can talk when we get to the university topic about what I'm doing on a personal level with that, but, you know, getting parents more involved, parents at the base level need to understand what their kids are being taught, if they're keeping their kids in a public school system that dissects the name of Jesus, disallows the Great Commission, then they need to be able to counteract that. So for every hour that the kid is in school, they've got, so you've got eight hours of school and three hours of secularized homework, you know, there's your, there's your marker for how much you need to be pouring in to counteract that every day. And yeah. the other piece is I think students, uh, parents and students alike have recognized that the, um, the amount of time in school is a waste of time. About 65% of the day in a traditional classroom is used on classroom management, sit down, stop talking, stop throwing spitwads, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, and so it really doesn't take that long to educate a fifth grader. It doesn't take eight hours. It's, you know, a three-hour process of four. So parents are beginning to realize, too, that there's a lot of a waste in terms of time. And so I think if we can start to, to shape that the future conversations, it really begins with parents being involved and invested rather than hoping somebody else is gonna disciple their kids or raise their kids you know, in the Bible says, like, train up your children the way they should go. It's not a mandate to the school, even to the church or to the government, for goodness sakes. It's a mandate to the parents. And so I think it's an era where we need to learn to take responsibility for our children who are our greatest blessing our greatest reward arrows in the hand of a warrior and that's i think that's really our starting point noah
0: i i agree with you and you really hit the nail on the head with the parents being involved i know when my kids were going through a, even though it was a specialized school of performing arts, it was still a public school. And one of the things that I made sure that I did is when they came home, especially when you're talking areas of history, I was, yeah. I was hugely involved on a daily so basis. Good. And you have to be so that if the school's not teaching what they should be taught, you can come alongside your child and make sure they get through the class, but they still know what is right and what is wrong. And that's what the parents need to do, especially, I'm going to emphasize if it is on the public school level. The other thing parents can do is, and there were so many uh, open seats in this last um, uh, election where parents can run for school board and they can be part of of the process. the, the The parents aren't out there filling these seats is a disservice to the community.
1: So good. That's so good. Such great practical advice, Noah. Boy, getting involved in your kids' lives and finding out, I love your story about history. You found out every day, what lives were you taught? Let's undo those. <laughs> That's so good, Noah.
0: Exactly. So now what are you seeing uh, on the university level? I'm very curious. Like, what are some of the pushbacks that you're seeing? Uh, is there an indoctrination process? I kind of already know the answer to this that, you, that, you're, <laughs> that you're seeing going on. And how do we combat that? Because the university level is a whole different ballgame than, you know, K through 12.
1: It really is. And the most dangerous part of the university level is that there's a severing of the parent child relationship. Yep. You know, at 18, the school system says, they're all ours. You have no right to any information. And students literally have to sign a default to be able to, you know, they're, they think about committing suicide. The professor can't even call the parents. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is that antiquated Purple Law from 1974 that needs to be reversed. But uh, but for now, you know, you can default to parental connection, but you have to go back in and manually do so. So um, at the university level, obviously, some of the big things that we're seeing, the sweeping secularization is just incredibly powerful. The, the the amount of highly secularized atheist professors who are hired at the university level, even, unfortunately, Noah, in Christian schools, Christian colleges. I'm sure you've read some of Ken Ham's work on that, but the um, the impact of of uh, schools that are kind of like a secular textbook with a Jesus bumper sticker on the front. You know, they say they're Christian, but when you dig down deep under the surface, it's really just... Um, you know, a secular school that maybe they're allowed to pray at the beginning of class. I
0: think it would surprise a lot of people that, that uh, when they realize there are schools like that, they're not—they're not—they're yeah. not a standard Christian school. Uh, yeah. I don't even know why. It's almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing.
1: It is. It's almost worse because you go in thinking expectation is that they're all Christians, and I would say parents always ask. Ask the administration when you're looking at a college, do you hire Christian professors? What is your, what's your standard for for professors? What do they have to do? What do they have to be to qualify? Because if it's just they're smart, again, it doesn't matter. (laughs) At the end of the day, if you walk away and you're just smart, but you lose your soul, it doesn't matter. And so those are the people that are speaking into students' lives every day. So the secularization, big deal today. The ineffective methodology, I was really frustrated with seeing that across the nation, Um, in the schools that I worked with and schools that I mentored and and worked with other professors in, that the methodology, which is still largely lecture-based unbelievably today, even though the last two generations did not learn in a lecture voice modality like Gen Xers and, and Boomers Builders. So yep. gen, uh, the, the two youngest generations are more discussion oriented, hands on project based learning, group learning even. And yet these large ships of universities, either because the professor is accustomed to lecturing and just wants to keep doing it his or her way, or because they, you know, <laughs> you know, they don't really see the value in that change, then they're still doing using these really outdated methodologies. So then we've got incredibly high dropout rates in the state of California in in the public in the public and, and even private education systems at the university level where students don't feel like they they can grasp what's being taught to them. And so they're falling behind. And then in that traditional model, you are know, kind of teaching to the middle. So you lose your lower end students and your your accelerated students are bored. So a model that Uh, That's more tutorial. That's more individually based. That's more built like a homeschool model. It's far more effective than the lecture modality. And then the third thing was debt. And no, when we look at student debt in the United States, which surpassed credit card debt a couple of years ago, we see, you know, I had students in schools where I was teaching, they were living in their car. And they were amassing, you know, $130,000 student debt. I mean, just tragic.
0: I know people individually, or personally, I should say, that go through the university system, get a great education, have a lot of debt. And their plan was to get a great job at a college, pay off that debt. Unfortunately, they don't get that great job that they're expecting. And so the job that pays a lot less isn't cutting paying back the student debt, and it's just crushing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're crushed. That's a perfect word. No, they're crushed by student debt or they graduate and they, the, the, because of the ineffective methodology, the lack of purpose and direction, the lack of mentorship, they go and get a job at Starbucks after they've spent, you know, four years yeah. trying to train in a specific field. Yeah. It's tragic. So we're not, we are not setting up the next generation for success when we, we fail them in all these areas in, in education.
0: Is there a way, because I know fixing the university system and also fixing the public school system for our younger generation, it's a completely different animal. So how do we go about restructuring the university system to better equip our sons and daughters and to make sure as well that if you change the pricing structure, if you just make sure that the students work it off, how do we go through this?
1: Well, when I started to live at Vista Christian University, those were the three areas that I really wanted to address. And I, uh, when I looked at the methodology, I knew that was easy part. I'd been trained in that through all my grad school work. I knew that the discussion module was a much more effective method of education for Gen Zs and for Millennials, the last two youngest generations. So I implemented an entire university system built on that discussion mentor based model. I knew that was that was going to change the way that students learned. They were going to retain information in a different way. I knew that when, um, obviously, as a Christian institution, that I was going to it that, that the kinds of professors I hired were going to be uh, they were going to be biblically grounded. They were going to be members of a local church where I could even ask their pastor, which is a requirement for any professor at my university. Is I you need know, a pastoral letter of recommendation? Ask any Christian university at the time, name one other that does that and I'll, <laughs> I'll go toe to toe on that. And then third, I realized that Noah the structuring of the financial irresponsibility in most college and university systems. It is unbelievable. It is that it has this really what we call a fat hierarchy. Mm-hmm. There are layers and layers and layers of people making money doing, you know, five people doing the job that really one person, one effective disciplined person could do. And so I saw, again, through my grad studies, a lot of this I learned, that I saw ways that we could be much more financially effective and keep costs low. And a lot of that did come out of my experience as a homeschooler because you do learn how to be more effective methodologically. You have much more of an investment in the educational process and certainly see how you can streamline budgets to be able to do that effectively. And so, uh, so and, and for outside, you know, those who aren't part of school Mr. Christian University, maybe you're in another part of the country and you're thinking, gosh, what can I do as an individual? I mean, certainly you can start a university in a new method. And uh, there's a lot of a train of thought don't mend them in them, you know, that we've really given decades already to the school system to turn itself around, and people are sending their kids in as, you know, kamikaze pilots hoping they're going to come out Christian, and yeah. the, the stats say that they don't, unfortunately, and so at some point, we just have to ask ourselves, how long are we willing to wait around before we become the industry disruptors, before we become the people who are going to be the change agents in our, you know, our industry, in this case, education?
0: Yeah, I don't think you can wait around too much longer before the system is 100% not fixable. And that's why I like the, you know, Chula Vista Christian University is such a great place. If people want to find out more information about the university and what it has to offer, what's a great place to go?
1: Sure, go to the website, cvcu.us, or follow us on social media, Chula Vista U, on Instagram, Chula Vista Christian University on Facebook. And I would say my call to every pastor in the county of San Diego and the state of California is every pastor, every church in our county and our state should be opening up your buildings during the week for Christian education. Most, most churches are sitting open, they're empty uh, during the week, and there's plenty of space to be able to begin educating the next generation, to return the source of, of knowledge, of wisdom to the local church. And whether that's a two-day module like we run with Awaken Academy, which is our, our homeschool branch for K-12, or whether that's a um, even a, B, a fledgling university model or a leadership training institute, a, B, a Bible institute. You know, there are so many options that if pastors are really serious about the change we want to see in five years and 10 years, we have to start at the K to College system. We have to start with the youngest generations if we really care about the future of our nation.
0: And that's what's at stake is the future of our nation. What I want to do is close with something that is near and dear to my heart, which is nonprofits. And I also see, and I didn't know this, that you're founder of a nonprofit outreach program that connects families and churches with lifelong learning initiatives, AwakenAcademySD.com. Tell us about this. Yeah, Noah.
1: surprise, right? I know, your love for nonprofits, that, that warms your heart. So about 15 years ago, my husband and I realized that, there, that this exact model that I'm talking about, that churches need to be the center point of education, of yep. life, family, life, of encouragement, that we started these academy models. And basically, they're two- or three-day-a-week classes this was pre-charter school. Now charter schools use the same model, interestingly enough, that uh, Bible-based classes in the church environment, so easy to set up. Every church has talented, gifted people in their church that can teach classes and restore that biblical foundation to the, the education system. And so honestly, if we looked around the county, even if If two churches in every city, if four churches in every city, if six churches in every city started doing this, we would begin to transform culture one life at a time. So it's a nonprofit. The ones I run in San Diego are Awaken Academy. We have three locations across the county from San Marcos all the way down to East Lake Chula Vista. Okay. And we offer 126 classes that are biblically-based, biblically worldview-oriented from K to to 12.
0: That's awesome. AwakenAcademySD.com. Dr. Lisa Dunn. I could talk to you for another 30 minutes. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So I hope people check out your great program, Mindset Matters. It's on K Praise Again, if you're listening on The Answer San Diego, it's our sister station, AM 1210, FM 106.1 North County. And it's called Mindset Matters 11 to 1130 every Saturday. It's going to really just take your mindset and it's going to transform it in so many different ways. That's the best way to talk about it. It definitely has mine, and I love being able to be a part of it in some small way, Dr. Lisa. And so thank you for blessing us here at the radio station and throughout all of Southern California, and if people hear you online around the world.
1: Thank you so much for having me as your guest today, Noah. It's my joy.
0: Noah here on Across the County. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.